Let that be our theme today. Let us serve and love uh, in praise of you. Hey, we're going to be in the Gospel of John today. Uh, We're going to start in uh, chapter 2, and we'll end up in chapter 4. You may want to turn there. Be prepared. Has anyone ever asked you a question um, that you didn't understand? You say, of course. Um, I, I know right now the teens are thinking about moms and dads. Some husbands are thinking about wives. A lot of wives are thinking about husbands. Hey, we're family and there's balance, right? Maybe it's okay. You know, Jesus often did things and said things that were really hard for others to understand. We're in our third week today of our all-church journey we call Ashes to Fire. And many of our lessons and our messages are coming from the Gospel of John. And John very often captured clips from Jesus' life that left those that Jesus came in contact with kind of scratching their head. They didn't understand. Over in John chapter 2, Jesus is in the temple. He's with the Jews. And they are seeking a sign from Jesus to prove his authority. And Jesus says in uh, verse 19, destroy the, they're standing in the temple. He says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Jesus is thinking building. The Jews are thinking or Jesus is, is uh, the, 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 the Jews are thinking building. Jesus is talking about his body here. Then over in John chapter 3, that's where we were last week. Uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of, of God unless he is born again. And Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again when he is old? I don't even know how you can do it when you're young. But nonetheless, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Nicodemus is thinking physical birth. Jesus here, spiritual birth. In John chapter 4, that's where we are today, uh, we find Jesus resting at a well in Sychar. We know the story well. Um, His disciples were traveling with him, and they left him there while they went on into town to buy some food. And a Samaritan woman approaches the well to draw water, and we pick up the story in John chapter 4, verses 4 or 7 through 11. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Jesus is offering this lady living water. And she looks at him and says, hey, this well is deep and you don't even have a bucket. Well, the conversation continues and it doesn't get much better. Reading from verse 13 to 15. Everyone who drinks this water, Jesus says, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Is the woman getting it? Well, she said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Let me ask you a question. What does the Samaritan woman and Madonna have in common? They both sang the same song. Hey, I live in a material world and I'm a material girl. Was Jesus hard to understand? Yes, he was. He had a much different worldview than the Samaritan woman or Madonna or, for that matter, the vast majority of the world today who are locked into this 
material world. We also, if we're not careful, sing the same song. Jesus' view looked beyond the material to the spiritual and from the temporal to the eternal. His worldview even made it difficult for his most ardent followers to understand him. And I'm reading on in verses 27 to 33. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jars, the woman went back to town and she said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have given him something to eat? Jesus, there you go again, doing things and saying things that are hard to understand. Well, today is um, not only the third Sunday of our Ashes to Fire journey, but it's also, as Rex, Pastor Rex mentioned, Faith Promise Sunday. It's a day in our church life when we focus on missions, and we individually and then also as a congregation make commitments to support missions around the world. And just in a few moments, Pastor Carla is going to come and give us instructions. And what I believe can make this day um, an incredible day in the life of this church and in your life and in my life is if we'll do our best to take on Christ's worldview of missions. To come to see spiritual realities as more real than what our friends claim to be real and more real than what we watch on TV or what we read in a magazine. My hope is that we'll see missions the way Jesus sees missions. The facts are more than 4 billion people live today without Christ. And over a billion of these have never heard the gospel message. I'm reading a book right now. I've told my, a lot of my friends, don't read it. Um, it's a book by uh, David, David Platt entitled Radical. And he talks uh, about the growing and popular philosophy in the West referred to as universalism. And one of the points of universalism is religion is merely a matter of opinion or preference. Faith is more about personal taste than truth. And uh, he goes on and, and he divides universalists into two categories. And he makes some suggestions that there's a lot of people today in the church that may fall in one of these categories. First, there's intellectuals. They can tell you why they hold this philosophy. They can tell you why all religions are fundamentally the same. Then there's practical universalists. They never claim to embrace this philosophy. Oh, no, that's not what I believe. But they live each day as though it was not absolutely urgent to tell others about Christ. While they claim Christ is necessary for salvation, they live their faith in silence. As if people around the world will be okay in the end without Christ. The question is, is this the way Jesus sees our world? Is this Jesus' definition of missions? And when I mention missions, missions, what do we see? Well, as we read on here in John, uh, Jesus makes a few things clear uh, as, as, with respect to his vision of missions. And he begins by explaining to his disciples why he wasn't hungry anymore. Look at verse uh, 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months and until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop 
for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, it's true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus has just shared with the woman how to receive living water. In a nutshell, the gospel. And now he reclaims, I have found nourishment. I have found needed resources in doing the Father's will. When we plug into missions, when we participate in the sharing of the gospel, when we are working hand in hand with God, there's no question about his will here. And we are energized. And we find a source of food that fills us and nourishes us. Mission is all about the Father's will. It's also about Jesus' will. Over in Matthew 9, you don't necessarily have to turn there, but it's kind of a similar passage in some ways. And we have Jesus on his own mission trips. He's traveling around with the disciples from town to town. And there was a point where he looked out on the crowds and we read that he had compassion. And as he had that moment, he turned to his disciples and he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You know, one prayer that we can pray confidently, one prayer we should pray, as Jesus instructed us, is for workers in the fields. After Jesus said this, he gathered his twelve around him, he taught them, and then he sent them out into new fields. When we understand missions is all about the Father's will, when we understand Jesus' great passion for missions, that he sent them out, he sends us out, when we jump in and we do what we can, we discover this source of food that nourishes and fills like no other. And if you don't believe me, ask a working witness member who have gone on a field someplace. Jesus also refers to um, a sense of accomplishment here. Um, he says, my food is to do the Father's will and to finish his work. Is it possible that we might be able to finish the work that God has called us to? Oh, what an incredible task. I think so. You know, Paul said, I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight. But the fact is, we'll never finish what God has called us to do if we never get started. You can write that one down. Can't finish what we haven't started. God's will is mission. Jesus' passion is is missions to send us out. And the question is, what am I going to do about it? Or what am I doing about it? Jesus went on in this passage to talk about farming. And about planting and then waiting for crops to mature. And he says, that's not what missions is like. He says missions is about continuous planning. It's about continuous reaping. Dr. Cook Cook was our regional director when Pastor Carl and Chuck and Connie and I were serving of the Eurasia region. And, And he writes, missions is a continuum. It's this continual thing. It's hard to it's hard to put in a box and continues to grow and go. Missions is where the action is at. If you'll open your spiritual eyes, you can see it, and it's as close as the ground under your shoes, as someone says. In Jesus' words here, we get a sense of uh, urgency. We get a sense of closeness, that it has eternal implications. He says that here. And also it involves a variety of work for a variety of workers. 
Um, John Piper put it in simple words when he said, we are all involved. We are either senders or we are goers. Senders or goers. You know, Jesus said, uh, here, open your eyes and look at the fields. Uh, what, what was he talking about? Some would say, well, the fields were white in the harvest, and he had a great illustration there right at the feet of where he spoke. But perhaps he was actually pointing toward the town where the Samaritan woman returned to witness. The very town where the disciples shopped for food. You know, this woman, we read, returns to win converts. And over in verse 39, it informs us that the woman's testimony, because of the woman's testimony, many believed in him. By the way, if you go back to verse 28, we read that she ran back to town to witness. And guess what she did with her precious water jug? She left it at the well. This woman's getting the picture. Her spiritual eyes are open. Compared to, compare that to disciples who they've been, they've been with Jesus. They have sat under his teaching. They have seen the miracles. They go off to town for food. And there's no record that they made any converts or planted any new seeds or, like the woman, even invited anyone back to meet Jesus. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to stay on mission um, and be about missions 24-7. To keep our spiritual eyes open. That's our struggle. You know, we, we struggle to live in the world and not be of the world. Uh, to have the mind of Christ. But let's not forget. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And a primary purpose of the Spirit was to empower us for service. To be His witnesses. You know, in Acts we read, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. And I don't believe we can live in step with the Holy Spirit and not be involved in missions. Missions is God's will. Missions is Jesus' compassion and a primary work of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Jesus also makes it clear here that this is a joint effort. The work and the workers vary. That we work together and what is the result? It's gladness. We work together, and the result is gladness, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. He never says that it's easy work here. doesn't say that. He doesn't say it's work void of trouble or trials, but at the end of the day, there is joy. Um, when I read this passage, and when I read anything, or hear anything about um, farms and, and planting and, and seeds and so on, um, it takes me back to my boy, boyhood on the farm. In those days, I lived on a farm. We didn't actually farm, but we lived on the farm. We worked with farmers at my folks' elevator to provide seed and fertilizer for the farm. And then at harvest time, we would receive the grain, and we would dry it, and we would clean it, process it, and then ship it off to primarily cows and pigs so they could enjoy it. We were an important part of the farming process. We got excited when it came time to plant. We got excited about the harvest. But you know what? We never personally worked in the fields. We were senders. We were facilitators, the ones who helped and assisted others to do their jobs. Uh, those were great days. I have fond memories. I made about $2 an hour for the most part. Uh, my dad would probably go to jail today as hard as he worked me, but that's, that's another story. Um, but it was tough. You know, we had tough days, hard, long days. Things would break down. I remember guys would lose fingers. You would get corn and bean dust up your nose and in your throat. I think that's part of my problem today. 
Um, it wasn't void of controversy or conflicts, but I do remember working together. Those were incredible times. Me doing my job, I was doing my job, and others guys off doing their jobs. And at the end of the day, there was joy and gladness, and there was this real sense of accomplishment. Our little town of 700, we celebrated the harvest. Um, we had every year what we called the Harvest Festival. Um, some years we would brag about having the largest parade, seriously, in the state of Indiana. Um, if you had a pickup or a tractor, you could be in the parade. Um, and uh, 500 entries. I remember, oh, we're going to have 500 entries. Well, it was 250 John Deere's, uh, 249 pickups, and one convertible for the Harvest Festival Queen. That was our parade. Well, how much better and greater working for the Lord in His fields? Understanding that what we do here for missions affects what others are doing for missions around the world and being glad about it. Are you plugged in? Are you glad this morning? I mentioned senders and goers, and I just want to say our church has this rich history of being a mission-minded, ascending and going church since our inception. Um, And it explains why 25% of our independent self-funding districts are actually outside the United States. Once part of a mission field, now independent and self-supporting. Not long ago, the Church of the Nazarene was recognized as one of the top six mission-sending, we could say going, organizations in the world. And Christianity Today, just a few months ago, um, suggested or inferred that uh, our denomination gives 6% of our total church earnings to missions, which is second only to the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. We are ascending and we are a going church. And I do want to mention on the going side, this local church has also played a major role down through the years. Um, Currently, the Wades and the Walkers serve. I think Owie and Miriam are going back and forth to India. And within a few months, others will follow. Tori Hughes will be going to Paraguay. Ross Quick to Mexico. Katie Jones to Russia. And our youngest son, Isaac, and his, his wife, Sarah, have joined the staff at the Jesus Film Harvest Partnership in Kansas City. And there are probably others I'm missing, I'm not aware of, from this church that are in the process of going to spend their energies in the fields. Senders and goers. That's what we need to be. Also, as you may know, Connie and I, as has been mentioned, are returning to the CIS. Commonwealth of Independent States, which is made up of, um, in our case, 12 former Soviet states or countries to become the FSC, not the regional director, but the FSC field strategy coordinator. And it's the work that Pastor Chuck and Carla were were doing when we called them to Grace Point. Uh, When we go, uh, where we will live, um, how that's all going to happen is all being worked out. Thank you for your prayers on this matter. Um, But I do want to show you just a a short little clip, a little video clip that will kind of help you understand a little bit about our work. Let's show it. It's exciting, isn't it? Oh, Oh, here we go. We began there with about, well, with just a handful of people, and it soon grew to about 30. And that's when we began to say, hey, I think there's, there's interest here and a need here for a church. So we bought a small house and building 
decided to tear the building down and actually build a chapel. The building was more like a, a garage and decided to build a chapel on that site. And as we were building the chapel, even before the chapel was done, we also decided to show the Jesus film. And even before the, the, the chapel was completed, um, when the walls were up, we dusted things off and brought some benches in, and we showed the Jesus film twice. And a number of people came. In fact, the hall was almost full. And a number of people responded. And uh, literally, after the Jesus film showings, the church went from about 30 to 35 to 100 individuals, almost overnight, we could say, because of the help of the film. And today, 100 people continue to worship there on a regular basis. Every year, we have a baptism service. Uh, typically, we go to the Volga River, and we baptize from 15 to 25 individuals. But this year, uh, we had a record number baptized, uh, giving, giving witness of their new life in Christ. Uh, there was about 50, 45 to 50 individuals. A number of them um, are members or atten attendees of our church in P.T. Morsk. And a number of those individuals um, are, are Christians today because they saw the Jesus film. Inspiring. Uh, that was me a long, long time ago. Um, inspiring story. But let me tell you the rest of the story. From the very get-go, we placed uh, a national pastor in the church. And as you saw, things got off to a really good start. There was a lot of people of all ages, and it was good. But it wasn't long before one of the zealous founders of the church decided that when Jesus said, you must be born again, he was talking about reincarnation. And so, yes, you accept Jesus, and then you be reincarnated. She attempted to teach Sunday school, and this was her teachings, and added, and, and which added to the problem. And then when she announced that she was the church prophet and was going to foretell the future, things just kind of blew up, and the church split. And the young, inexperienced pastor, great guy, half this woman's age, was devastated and bruised and left reeling. Well, we're going to go back to be a support to our pastors. The CIS is made up of 54 churches that are scattered throughout uh, six of the former states and scores of preaching points uh, which often develop into new churches. And the pastors and the leaders need encouragement. They need to be equipped for service. And that takes time and effort um, and some organization. We also go back to support our missionary staff, which has gone through a lot of transition and change recently, and they need to be reunified and encouraged. And I would say they need revival, just like we need revival here. We go back to oversee important education initiatives that train and educate pastors and leaders for service. And some exciting things are happening in that area. We owe a lot of it to Pastor Chuck and Carla for getting us off to a really good start there.
We go back to help with business development and compassionate ministry work. We go back to organize retreats and youth and leadership conferences to get teams of youth and work at witness groups in and out of the country safely. We go back to coordinate the many volunteer workers who come and go to, the, to and from the field on a regular basis. We go back to act as a mediator and conflict resolution coordinator. I can hardly wait. We go back to oversee district assemblies and finances and administration. We go back to balance budgets and figure out how to work with diminishing budgets and allocations. And on that subject, we go back to try to figure out how to maintain eight alcohol drug rehabilitation centers located in the Ukraine that have been instrumental in introducing scores of men and women to Jesus and to freedom, true freedom from drug and alcohol addiction. The centers are currently running at a $35,000 per year deficit. We don't have the money. And they have this incredible success rate, and the question is, how are we going to maintain them? Can we maintain them? Will we maintain them? We also go back to seek the mind of Christ, his worldview for us in the CIS, in order to provide strategy as to where we go and how we need to go as a church. Going in order to accomplish the Father's will, which is sharing the good news, which is the heart of missions. And this will be a big part of our work. Well, the Samaritan woman, she went back to town, as we read. She witnessed, and many believed, and then the folks went out and found Jesus. And if we read on in that passage, they actually urged Jesus to stay with them just a few more days, actually two more days. And we read in verse 42 that, and because of his words, he stayed, and because of his words, many more became believers. Connie and I are going back because we believe it's the Father's will. We've seen that this morning. We believe it's Jesus' passion and it's the Holy Spirit's desire to work through us to have the right words so that others will believe. This is missions according to Jesus. And I don't really see what's so hard about that to understand. One tool God uses is our finances. Uh, We can participate in the Father's will. We can embrace Jesus' passion and become a part of the Holy Spirit's work through our giving. Uh, This church has a strong history of supporting and giving to missions. Uh, Last year, we set a goal, and uh, we blew right past it. And the question is, what can we do today? What will we do today? It's an occasion like this, uh, I think, a lot of times about the song, about that little boy who was standing in a mission service. He was excited about being involved in missions, and he pulled out of his pocket three dollars. They were birthday dollars. He pulled them out, and he said to his mom, Mom, what if I give all I have? What will that gift do? That little boy was basically saying, What if I do my very best? What can we do with that? Well, there was another little boy in scriptures that gave all he had, his lunch in this case, five loaves and two fish, two fishes, two fish, and we know what Jesus did with that. The question, what would happen if we did our very best? I know these are tough times. Faith promise is not about budgets. It's not about what we gave last year. It's really making a commitment based on faith. And if we do our best, it'll include more than just our dollars. It'll, It'll also include our time and our talents. And these are incredible days of opportunity. And maybe the Lord's not just calling you to give in this regard, but he's actually calling you to go or to give in another way.
if we do our best to be involved in the sending process or if God calls us to go, we're going to find nourishment for our soul. Pastor Carl is going to come and she's going to challenge us this morning to do our best and to give us instructions. And may our promises made by faith today uh, be all about the Father's will. Amen. Carl.